sacrifices for us, even when you all were going through the effects of the pandemic too. Thank, Thank you, you and, and God, God bless you. you. It's a blessing to be back here at Astoria Baptist Church. It's hard to believe it's already been four years, but, you know, time flies. It's amazing how they have that expression in many different languages, including Romanian and Russian. wanted to uh, first make an announcement. Please do pick up our prayer cards. We have plenty of these things, and anything left over just gets stuck at my in-law's house in storage, so, uh, and then eventually thrown away. So uh, please do pick up these. They're on the back table back there, and uh, you can take these, put them in the fridge, put them in your Bible, whatever. Uh, also notice you all support Gage and Aaliyah uh, that are missionaries to Greenland. Aaliyah is my co-worker's wife's sister. So Viola, um, she, that's uh, her and Aaliyah are sisters. Just a little connection there I thought was kind of neat. All right. Well, I know there's been a lot of folks that have been uh, asking questions and such about Ukraine and just kind of what happened with us. And so I want us to actually um, be looking at that tonight. And at the same time, I want us to look at different principles in following God. You know, following God is not this stationary thing that you just know exactly what to expect and everything just goes smoothly and you're just kind of walking along some, uh, some uh, path without any kind of obstacles and challenges and such. Following God is pretty exciting. Um, I love my job. Young people, listen, being a missionary, this is not a last resort thing, okay? Some people think, well, if I can't make it in anything else, I guess I'll become a missionary. Listen, this was my first choice, okay? There are plenty of things I could have done, but did not want to do. And so this is what I get to do. I love my job. I love what I get to do for the Lord in giving the gospel to people that um, usually have never heard. And so don't think this is a second-rate thing. I love what I get to do. I have no regrets at all. And uh, have a, a blast doing what I get to do. It's not easy, but I would not want to be doing anything else. And so young people, if God is working on your heart for full-time ministry, don't put it off. Follow the Lord. Take that step by faith. Keep on going down that path because it is worth it, and you don't get to the end of your life going, oh, I knew I should have done this, and I did something else instead. So uh, if God's working in your heart in that direction, pursue it. Seek your pastor's counsel and your parents' guidance and follow the Lord in it. You can open up your Bibles to Genesis 37 with me this evening. Genesis 37 we're going to kind of do a parallel here where we'll be looking at the life of Joseph and looking at principles that he had in following God. And at the same time, just explaining how we had to put these principles into practice our own selves, and we saw these things uh, played out in our own lives. It was February 24th on a Thursday morning. I'm laying there in bed. It's about 6 o'clock, and uh, just kind of laying there. And all of a sudden, I hear and feel something. I hear this rumble and felt, felt the things shake a little bit, and I'm thinking, what in the world was that? And us as men, you know, when there's a noise in the house, we have this registry of sounds already logged in our minds that we go through, and uh, okay, no, that was this, oh, that was the heating system, oh, this was whatever, and I'm going through, and it wasn't matching with any of those, uh, those known sounds. I didn't think much of, of it, got up and went over uh, to my office and had the time with the Lord, and then I looked at my phone, and I see I had a message from my coworker Jacob Hughes, who was back in America at that time on furlough. And his message said this, Hey, Lord be with you guys. You mentioned a plan to get out of the country. I didn't ask what would be the point at which you'd make that decision. Are you considering that with the onset of hostilities? I'll do anything I can if you need anything. 
So I'm thinking, what in the world happened? You know, he got some news that I didn't even know about. So I immediately went over and uh, turned on the, uh, uh, looked at the internet on my phone and saw that Russia had actually invaded Ukraine. We knew that this was a possibility. <clears throat> this was not the first time that Russia has loaded up tons of uh, troops on the border with Ukraine. It's happened in the past, and nothing ever ended up coming to pass even though they did that. It was just a military exercise. But uh, a month previous to this, we had talked with our pastor because the U.S. government was continuing to say, they're going to invade, they're going to invade, they're going to invade. And I thought, well, if it is going to be something, I'll talk with my pastor and missions director and other counselors and have some kind of a plan put in place and kind of have some thought, thoughts um, put into place already. Well, it actually happened. And, uh, and so this was uh, a big shock really to us because we were thinking maybe it's just going to be another bluff on Russia's part. But unfortunately, it wasn't. This began the journey of having to follow the Lord through this uh, uh, uncharted waters for us before. And uh, the first principle I want us to look at is this. To follow God, we must trust Him in the unknown. To follow God, we must trust Him in the unknown. Look with me in Genesis chapter 37, and we'll begin in verse number 18. Joseph's brothers, they're upset with, with Joseph. They're jealous of him. They don't like the fact that he's the... Uh, prized son of his father. And it says, And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we'll say, eh, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we'll see what, become, what will become of his dreams. And uh, Reuben, his brother, he decides, Well, let's just put him in a pit for now. And so they do that. And they take Joseph, they take off his coat, they put him in a pit. Can you just imagine what was going through Joseph's mind? Okay, he's not some robot, he's not a zombie, he's a person made out of flesh and blood like you and I. And I tell you, there were definitely some thoughts going through his mind. A lot of unknowns. But in that moment, he had to trust God. He had to trust God. God, I don't know what is going on. My brothers are talking about killing me. He had to trust God. When we heard the news uh, of this, uh, we ended up going into town, and I was thinking that just the attack in Russia and Ukraine had just happened in the eastern part, far from us, uh, where the uh, conflict was previously. Well, we go into town, and in the video you met Victor, uh, the picture of he and I together, and uh, he works for the border police. And we met him in town, we saw him, and he comes over and he says, you heard the news, didn't you? I said, yeah. And, he's, and uh, I said, yeah, I heard they, they came in and they were over there in the, in the Donbass region. He says, no, 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 no. They bombed the, throughout the entire country. And he pulled out his phone and showed me on the map how there were bombings all throughout the country. And I'm looking at one of those little star marks, and it's not too far from where we live, about 50 miles. And uh, so then I realized, oh, what I had heard that morning was actually the bombing. And other people also had reported having heard and felt the same thing. It wasn't super strong, but we could still feel that. And so I realized this was a lot different than what I was initially thinking. So we go home and we make the decision, well, we at least need to have bags packed and be ready um, if anything else develops. And we were waiting to see if the U.S. Embassy would end up saying something. So uh, that was the, the first day with it, and uh, then I ended up calling and talking with my pastor, missions director, and other counselors, and what they were saying was that they, would, they were highly uh, encouraging me, um, insisting that I take my family over to Romania. 
There were reports at the very beginning here, uh, and even as things continued on, that Russia would also go into Moldova. There was a lot of unknowns, because we really didn't know how fast Russia would be able to take over Ukraine, and what the plans were going to be for Moldova. So we were left with all these unknowns. And even though I had done planning previously, when you're faced with all this stuff, then it seems like there was never enough planning. And we were left with these unknowns. And we had to trust God. God, you know what is going to happen, even though we don't. So we're going to trust you. We're going to trust your leading. We're going to trust the, the counselors that you've put into our life. In the times of the unknown, this is what we have to do. You might be facing some unknowns right now, whether it be with health, job, finances, family, relationships. Who knows what it is? God knows. You know. But let me encourage you to follow God. You've got to trust him that even though you don't know what the future holds, how this whole thing is going to turn out, he does. And he's not worried about it. And so we must trust him in the unknown. And we see Joseph doing that here. The second principle I want us to look at in Joseph's, Joseph's life is to follow God, we must ignore those who criticize or question us for following God. If you turn back in chapter 37 earlier, Joseph ends up having his dreams. And, uh, for example, in chapter 37, uh, notice what, what he says uh, in verse number 5, and Joseph's dream, Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren. And notice their response. He hated him, they hated him yet the more. And verse 8, And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. He dreams another dream, and it includes his father and mother bowing down to him along with his brothers. And his father, says in verse number 10, rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. It's interesting how Joseph, he's not the one who chose these dreams. These are things that God had revealed to him, and yet he's being criticized for it. And as we follow the Lord, we have to expect that there's going to be criticism along the way. If you're going to a public school or you're going to a secular job, there's going to be criticisms that's going to come because you're wanting to follow God. If you're new to following Christ, let me encourage you, press on. Continue following Him. Know that criticism is going to come. It could be from family as you're seeking to follow the Lord. We have to expect this. As we had talked with our counselors, this is kind of what the situation was unfolding before us that led to our decision to actually uh, go ahead and take my family to Romania across the border. Uh, where we live is actually right on the border with Ukraine. We have the city of Soroka, the river, and then Ukraine. Even though that we were far from the actual uh, troops on the ground, being that close to Ukraine was a concern to the, the folks, especially with the bombings and such, having only been 50 miles away. There's also a breakaway region within Moldova that has 1,500 Russian troops stationed there since the um, Civil War ended in Moldova in, in 1992. So uh, with that being there, there's a lot of question about whether they, those troops would go into service and actually move into Moldova. The airport in Moldova closed that day the invasion occurred. So the whole idea of, well, if things get bad, we'll just fly out. That was no longer an option. Um, some other things, too. We were planning on uh, flying back for furlough already um, in, uh, in April. So we were going to have to end up finding another airport anyways to come back. The uh, church out in Romania, in the western part, in Cluj-Napoca, they actually support us. 
and they were wanting us to come and give a report to them and come visit them. And uh, so that also came into play with things. The, um, the situation also where Russia actually on map had plans for going into Moldova. Uh, there was also uh, talked with our missions director, and he has some contacts uh, that are uh, high up with military stuff, and they were saying also the expectation that Russia was going to go into Moldova. The, uh, uh, when you look at the map that was Lukashenko, the president of Belarus, was showing, it was showing an arrow of the troops coming from Odessa, Ukraine, and going into Transnistria, Moldova. And the question was, was, are they going to just stay in Transnistria, or would they go into further into Moldova? Also, whenever an invasion occurs, you can imagine what the border is like with everyone else trying to get out. The line, people were waiting over a day, over 20, 24 hours at some places, to leave Ukraine and get into Moldova. And they felt it would be wise for us to try to miss that if that were to occur. So the decision was made then for us to actually take, for me to take my family over to Romania and then just see how things developed from there. Well, we got criticism. There were many people who understood, but there were some that did not. And in fact, there was even one gentleman in Moldova who was calling, and uh, he's actually uh, from one of the church plants there and was um, not speaking very kindly to me about things and didn't seem to understand. And uh, so we were getting criticized for, for the decision. We were the only missionaries really that were leaving at that time. And, and so it was a very difficult, difficult decision, not one that we were wanting to do, not one that we were planning on originally, even after the invasion had occurred. But to follow the Lord, sometimes you get criticism for doing it. The next principle I want us to see is that to follow God, we must serve where He places us. We must serve where He places us. Notice in chapter 39, if you would, with me in Genesis, we know how things went on. Joseph ends up getting not killed, but his brethren sell him into slavery, and he gets taken down to Egypt, and he's sold there as a servant in the house of Potiphar. Notice what, how Joseph responds to this. We don't find him hiding behind one of the big vases. If you've ever seen flannel graph, you know in Potiphar's house, there's these vases that are, you know, real, real big. We don't find him hiding over there behind one of the vases, just going, <laughs> and just locked up like that. Notice how Joseph responds to this. In verse number 2 of chapter 39, it says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his, of the, of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he what? He served him. And he made him overseer over, all, over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. We see that Joseph actually was serving and he said, I'm going to do it, as we'd say, with gusto, right? He ends up giving it with all his heart. He says, this is where God has me right now, and I'm going to serve to what I can in this place. After Potiphar's wife ends up uh, not getting her way with him, and he ends up, uh, she ends up lying about Joseph, he finds himself in prison. And once again, we don't find him in the corner just crying there and locked up and angry with God. He ends up serving there. If you look at chapter 40, we end up finding that he was uh, put into prison. Uh, notice what it says in uh, verse number 4. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. This is with the baker and the uh, butler. And it says, and he served them. And they continued a season in, in ward. While Joseph was in prison, he served. He goes, okay. This wasn't my choice, but this is where I am. I can't change it, so I'm going to serve God. 
And that's hard to do. But this is what we find Joseph doing. As we had our belongings all loaded up into the vehicle and we're getting ready to, to head for the border of Moldova and Romania, this question kept going through my mind, God, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to serve you in this phase? We believe this is your will. It's not an easy decision, but how are we supposed to serve you? And so this was our question. We thought, well, we can minister to the Ukrainians at the border while we're waiting to cross on over. So we got water and tracks and food. And while we were in line there, I was passing out tracks and getting to witness to the Ukrainians that were in line. 90% of the vehicles there were Ukrainians. There were 78 cars waiting in line there. Uh, it was actually shorter than what I was expecting on the wait time. We got through in five hours. But this, the Lord gave us that opportunity. Uh, amazingly enough, the, uh, the Ukrainians, they actually had pretty much all that they needed from when they came into Moldova from Ukraine. The Moldovans loaded them up with, uh, with material things, and that was a blessing to see. Uh, so we did that, and then after we got into Romania, once again, I'm going, okay, we got through that. Now, now what, Lord? What do you have? And as we're driving to Yash, we get a message from another missionary friend of ours who's trying to get back to Moldova. Remember, the airport's closed. And so he's flying into Yash, the easternmost city in Romania, where we were actually headed to. And so I find out about this, and I said, well, I have to go back into Moldova once I drop my family off in order to renew my residency uh, card and the plates on our van. And so I said, I can take you over. So I saw, wow, you know, the Lord just worked it out for us to be there to be able to pick him up and take him back to Moldova. It, it seemed like a small thing, but at the same time, I'm saying, wow, Lord, you're orchestrating the pieces. <laughs> Pretty amazing right now. And so we picked him, I picked him up on, uh, on the Thursday, and then we ended up heading into Moldova. Hadn't got to talk with him for many years, and so it was a blessing getting into fellowship with him. We get to the camp, and he's, there's already 100 refugees at, the, at his uh, Christian camp there, and he's uh, trying to get it winterized and have heat in those to where they can house more. And uh, while I was there, a church in Romania had called their ministry there and said, we need Russian Bibles. We have all these Ukrainian refugees coming. We need Russian Bibles. Can, is there anyone coming to Romania where you can get us some Romanian Bibles? Well, guess where I was headed once I was done there? I was going to have to go back to Romania. So they loaded up the back of our van with Bibles, and once again, I found a place to serve. God ended up answering that prayer. Well, I got to the immigration office, and it was busier than I've ever seen it. And there were tons of Ukrainians there seeking asylum uh, and uh, refugee status in Moldova. I get to the immigration office. It should have been, my card should have been ready. Everything should have been, uh, or I should have been approved and everything by that, by, by that time, having our residence permit um, elongated. Uh, and then what happened is they said, well, we don't have it ready, and it's probably going to be another week or two. So, uh, so I left the office there pretty discouraged, thinking that my one week here in Moldova is now going to turn into two weeks away from my family. So then back to the whole question, well, Lord, what's your plan? How am I supposed to serve you in this time? I found out that one of my other Moldovan friends has, was going uh, multiple times a week down to the Ukrainian border, picking up refugees and driving them to their next destination. Quite often it was the bus station and then paying for their ticket to get to their next destination. And he would get a witness to them and uh, try to meet whatever needs that they have along the way. So I asked him, well, I have a couple days left before my plates expire on my van. Uh, one of those days I can use to, to join you with that. Would that, be, would that work? And he said, sure. So I drive our van. It's a nine-seater van. And he had his car. And we drive down to the border. 
and uh, they were busing in the Ukrainian refugees, drop them off at that point, and then they would get on either other buses and try to get to train stations and other things. A lot of these folks, they had a number, but they didn't have a way to contact their contact in Moldova, so we were able to help them out with, uh, with getting calls made, and uh, we were able to get our vehicles filled with, uh, with multiple families. It was women and children because the men had to stay in, in Moldova, or in uh, Ukraine. They were not, not allowed to leave. So we end up uh, having three hours in the vehicle to get a witness to these Ukrainians and give them, uh, was it, had food and supplies for them, and then uh, we paid for their fare to get to their next location. And it, that was the, a way for, that God had for us to serve during that time. Well, I worked out where I got the documents and everything else and headed back for Romania and dropped the, Bibles, the Russian Bibles off for the one Romanian church and uh, then was heading back. Well, the day I was heading back to Yash in Romania was the day our coworkers were flying back from furlough. And once again, the airport's closed in Moldova. They can fly into Yash, but they need to get to Moldova. So the next morning, I was able to pick them up at the airport and then drive them to the border, and, and another missionary uh, took them all back into Moldova. So once again, just another piece in the puzzle how God was orchestrating things in an amazing way. We get our belongings, and we end up heading to Cluj-Napoca in the western part of Romania. Well, find out that the missionary there is actually was planning a trip to a Ukrainian pastor who's housing Ukrainian refugees from the eastern part of the country. And... Uh, that missionary in Romania doesn't know any Russian, and the guy going with him, uh, maybe I think he learned maybe a little bit when he was in high school many, many years ago. Uh, so I went along to help translate and uh, to go along with the ride for the trip and help. And so God, once again, fit, in, fit me in another little puzzle piece there in the hole. So we spent two days in Ukraine and uh, visiting with the folks there and taking the, the, the aid for them. My point, is, and I saw in all this, was that when we ask God, where can I serve, rather than standing there shaking our fist at Him, He opens up doors that we never could have imagined. And God ends up using us in a way that gives Him the glory. No one else could have orchestrated the, how all that came together like God did. And maybe right now you're in a difficult situation. Let me encourage you, lift up your eyes, ask God, how do you want me to serve with the situation that I'm currently in. And God will end up using you, even if it's in the small ways. I don't feel like I'm doing anything, I was doing anything huge like some of the other missionaries were able to do, but I had a part in it. The next principle I want us to see is this. To follow God, we must accept what He gives us and allows into our lives. Joseph, at the end, he ends up revealing himself to, he ends up uh, re- interpreting the dreams uh, of the butler and the, um, and the baker. He ends up eventually getting put in the second command after interpreting Pharaoh's dream. And his brothers come down. He eventually reveals to his brothers who he is. And notice, if you will, with me in chapter 45 of Genesis, what Joseph says to them in verse number 5. He says, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land, of Egypt. To follow God, we must accept what He gives us and allows into our life. 
it's easy for Joseph to look back on his life, being second in command now, save the world, pretty much, and to go, yep, see, God meant it for good. It's easy for us at the end when we can look back and see, okay, yeah, you know, I, I can accept what God did now. But the question is, when did Joseph really accept what God was doing in his life? When you see how he was responding in Pharaoh's house, when you see how he responded when he was in prison, I think it was way before the time when he became second in command. And in fact, that's when God wants us to accept the things that he's allowed into our life. It's actually at the beginning part, and that can be hard. When we find out about our health, we find out about the finances, we find out about whatever it is that's happened in our life, things that we really can't change, that's the time when God wants us to accept and say, okay, God, you've allowed this into my life. You have a purpose. I don't understand what it is, but I'm going to accept it. And this is what I believe Joseph did. When all this stuff happened, it was hard. I mean, we were already, furlough was hard enough, okay? People say, oh, I'm so glad you got to come back home. Moldova's home. And so having to leave to come back, we want to see family, we want to see churches. There's a joyous aspect of furlough. But understand, there's another part that is very difficult for us. And to, to accept the idea that us going back would possibly be in danger of not being able to go back was very, very hard. But we had to come to the point where we go, okay, God, you're allowing it, and we're going to accept it, and we're going to trust you in this time. Where do things stand now? Well, our plan is August 25th, we get on an airplane, we fly back to Romania, our van is there, get over jet lag, because I don't want to be driving on Romanian roads while I'm you know, going through jet lag, and then uh, our plan is to go back to Moldova. Um, but there's a lot of questions yet where things will go. Right now, the fighting in Ukraine is now concentrated in the east and in those areas where, uh, where we thought that everything was going to be concentrated to begin with. But there's still the whole question. Are they still going to do their plan with going further west? Odessa right now is not getting hit hard. They're getting hit maybe by a missile once a week, from what I heard uh, from some people there. But what's going to happen in the future, I have no idea. So there's still a lot of unknowns. But we have to accept this is what God has for us. We have to accept that he has a plan and he's going to work. Plan B is, well, we serve in Romania until or if the door opens back up in Moldova. So we don't know what the future is going to be, but God does. So the question is, what is it that you're having a difficult time accepting in your life? If you're going to follow God, you've got to accept it. And let me encourage you, take that step. Because otherwise, it'll be a hindrance. You'll be robbed of your joy, your peace. And you'll miss out on what God is wanting to do in and through your life. The last principle I want to look at in Joseph, Joseph's life is that to follow God, we must trust in his provision. In the end, we see the testimony in chapter 47. Jo Jacob's brothers go back, or Joseph's brothers go back. They take Jacob, their father, and they come back to Egypt. And notice it says in verse 11, And Joseph placed his father and his brethren and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his house, father's household with bread according to their families. Joseph was trusting in God's provisions. All right, God, 
My brothers have me in a pit, but I'm going to trust in your protection. God, I'm put in charge of, uh, I'm here in Pharaoh's or Potiphar's house. I'm going to trust in your wisdom and your help for me to do what I need to here. Every step along the way, and even see him providing for his own family in the midst of a famine. He had a trust in God's provision along the way. And we saw God's provision. Our last prayer letter, we got to share some of that as well. And it was amazing seeing how God ended up providing for us. That one week in Yash, Romania, that turned into three weeks for my family being there, uh, God provided through churches and some individuals uh, that covered the entire cost of uh, staying in, in that apartment. Um, it was wonderful to see how God provided. The owner of the apartment dropped the cost each week that we stayed there, which was really <laughs> unexpected. God ended up providing a place for me to stay the two weeks when I was in Moldova for free, and uh, God ended up providing the help that I needed in getting a residence permit and the new plates on the van. God provided the help I needed in getting uh, the residencies renewed. There's a, our, on our vehicle, I ran into a snag, and I did not know what to do. Because the place was closed, I couldn't get to it because they were doing road construction, and the van vehicle had to be there. And so I'm wondering, what am I supposed to do? Because uh, that was the place where they do it more quickly. And with a phone call, God ended up, ended up working things out, and I got the help that I needed. God provided money for me to be able to help the Ukrainians. And uh, one of the days, I ended up going with another missionary, taking a whole bunch of stuff. We went to a place like Metro. Uh, no, it is called Metro. It's not like Metro. It is Metro. It's a place like Sam's Club where uh, you can buy a whole bunch of the, the food there. And so uh, the other missionary and I, we load up stuff and took it to Eric Chapman's camp where he was housing refugees. God provided the funds for that. God ended up providing also uh, a place for us to stay three weeks in the western part of Romania free of charge. And then when we had to re redo our plane tickets to fly out of Romania because the airport was closed until it was, what, a week or two before we were going to fly out. They finally opened up the airport in Moldova. But uh, anyways, we ended up changing the, the air, airline tickets to fly out of Romania for furlough, and that was going to cost money to have that changed. And so there were some people that had written and said, hey, you know, can we help out with that? Some church, there were a couple churches that said, is there any other needs you have? Well, God was kept on providing right in time with every need that came up. And so I was thinking of not writing them, but then I was like, well, they, they asked, so I'll go ahead and do that. So I sent them a message and said, well, this is what the expected total cost is, but just so you know, there are other people that, are, uh, that were asking as well. Three hours later, I get an email from another pastor that said, uh, one of them that had asked about the help, and he said, actually, this past Sunday, our church already voted to send you uh, $1,500. This is before I even wrote them. And... When I added up, when I found out what the total cost was of the airline change, it was $1,400, and I think it was $83. So I had to hurry up and write back all those people I had written. Uh, there weren't a whole, whole lot, but there was a few people in a couple churches, so I had to write them back and say, God already provided. And I was convicted because here I am trying to get something to happen with a provision because people were asking, and it was almost as if God was saying, listen, I got this. To follow God, we have to trust in that He is going to provide each step of the way for us. It may not be when we want or how we want, but we have to trust in His provision. Following God is a journey. It's an interesting one. Unfortunately, there's a lot of folks that end up getting off track, getting away from the Lord, because they forget some of these principles. Let me encourage you, continue following the Lord. You young people, 
You're going to be out on your own. You're not going to be able to just live off your parents' faith. You're going to have to see that the God that your parents love and serve is the same God that we read about in the Bible, and he's the same God who's going to be able to take care of you. He's a powerful God. He's a God who loves you. He knows about every detail in your life, and you can trust him. So let me encourage you. Follow God. Regardless of what happens in your life, regardless of the unknown, regardless of the criticism that you might get from other people, serve him in that time of following him. Accept what he's allowed into your life and trust that he's going to provide for you as well. This is our God that we serve, and he's an amazing God. Thank you very much for praying for us and uh, and supporting us even through the time of the pandemic. We really appreciate that. I'm going to pray now and pass it over, uh, hand it over to, to Pastor Henry. But if God has worked in your heart where you realize, you know, I haven't been trusting him. I'm not following him like I need to. I haven't accepted this thing in my life. I'm worried and not trusting in his provision in this area of my life. Let me encourage you. Get that settled this evening. Let's pray. Father in heaven.